Simmons fly ball shallow left back is Cosmo. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's gonna drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. You cannot call that no, an infield no fly rule. No way. He wasn't camped. Welcome into Infield Fly, guys. It is a special Monday night episode. It's 8.45 on Monday, March 4th. Um, we were absent last week because of work and school and stuff. Um, but we're back tonight. Got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, Bryce Harper signed last week. The Vols played Kentucky Saturday. Um, today we're going to preview the AL Central. We're going to talk some college hoops. We're going to talk about Bryce Harper. Vols Senior Day is tomorrow. Um, coming off that win against Kentucky, Duke's lost two of their last three. We're going to take a look at the AP poll. We got some questions from some people. Um, just a lot of stuff to get to. I'm going to be completely winging it tonight. I just got home about an hour ago from a uh, weekend field trip with the history department. Um, so I'm a little beat. So if I mess up, blame it on that. Blake, how you doing today, man? Or tonight? Doing pretty well. Uh, we got our first scrimmage of the season tomorrow. So pretty pumped nice. about that, even though I won't get to make it out for it. Be cool. at work. But... Um, Season's right around the corner, start next Tuesday, I believe. Maybe it's next Monday. Monday. Yeah. Um, but right around the corner, got a little bit going on in the MLB world. And Tennessee is all I'm going to say. Tennessee. Yes, sir. Tennessee, Jordan Bone. Uh, before we dive in, a few little admin things to mention, um, which you can also find when we update our website, infieldflysports.com. Um, but we are going to do a bracket challenge thing um, on ESPN for for the NCAA tournament coming up. Um, and we're going to partner up with a few other podcasts. So all of our listeners, all of their listeners, everybody's listeners are going to be combined into one big challenge. Um, and we'll see what podcasts can have the best bracket and whose listeners are the smartest at basketball. Hopefully it's y'all because the other podcasts do not talk about sports. Uh, well, one does, but it's a hockey. Um, it's going to be us um, and Ben McGreevy's podcast, which is, I think, the Hattie. The Hattie podcast, podcast. yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Hunter Brown's podcast, Cream of the Crop. Um, and then my buddy Zach Horvath's podcast, Occupation Nation. We will all be involved in that so hope you guys join um and then blake i think you wanted to talk about fantasy baseball yeah so um for all you baseball fans out there i'm gonna get this uh, espn site pulled up real quick um we're gonna be doing a fantasy baseball league this year um we're gonna take over the former soc league that i was a commissioner of last year um we're looking at probably about 14 teams. So we're wanting to get a, a bigger, a bigger size league um, just because it makes it a little bit more challenging when you have to go get your fifth outfielder. And he's a guy who, you know, maybe he plays for the Royals. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's someone you, you haven't really heard a whole lot about. 
Um, so if you're interested in playing fantasy baseball with us this year, uh, just send us a message. Um, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, it doesn't matter. Send me a text, uh, send me something on Facebook, just, uh, just send me your email and I'll be sure to get that out to you. Um, we're looking at doing the draft probably in about two weeks. Um, probably on, it's definitely going to be on a Friday or a Saturday night. Um, we'll talk more about that as time gets close. And once we fill the league up, um, so if you want to play some fantasy baseball, send us a message and we'll be sure to get you in there. Yeah. We'll keep you guys posted on both those things when they get closer and we'll post them on the website and on Facebook and all that good stuff. So uh, with all that uh, admin stuff, we're going to go ahead and dive in, um, kick off the day with the, the big news in MLB uh, happened last Tuesday, um, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies for 13 oh, years. $330 million. No opt-outs for either side. So essentially Bryce Harper is a Philly for the remainder of his career. I yeah. know Blake predicted that he would sign with LA, which seemed like they had a good shot as anybody. I, for the past few weeks, I've been saying I thought he was going to sign with Philly. Um, all, all the, Signs kind of seem to be pointing that way. Um, I think I said when we talked about the NL East, I thought they'd end up signing him. Um, I mean, it's he's a generational player and immediately changes a franchise. Um, and I read a thing that said, you know, if he plays out his, his whole contract in Philly, which obviously remains to be seen, um, he will have been a Philly for longer than Chase Utley was a Philly for longer than Ryan Howard was a Philly, which is crazy to think about. Those are guys. When you think of the Phillies, that's, that's some guys that you automatically comes to mind. It's going right. to be weird seeing him in a uniform. That's not the nationals. Um, and in a number I mean, that's not 34. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the Phillies have talked all offseason about spending stupid money, I think was the quote. And, right. and they did. And, uh, you know, th that's a scary team now, I think. I mean, it, it had, they had a good lineup before, but now adding Bryce Harper, uh, uh, it's hard not to view them as one of the favorites in the National League. Right. And it's all about which Bryce Harper are you getting. Yeah. Because, um, you know, like you said, he's a once in a generation player, but he has had seasons where he didn't play like one. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some injury history um, in 2013, was it not 13, 2016. Um, I think he had, no, it was 2017. He had the hit problem, I think. Um, and he's, because he only played 111 games. Yeah. Um, but he still performed pretty well that year. But the year before that, 2016, he hit 243 yeah. with 24 homers. He still managed to get on base at a 373 clip. Yeah. So you're looking at 130 points higher from your average. But that was a huge um, letdown from his 2015. Right. That's what I played like I was, the best player in baseball. Right. Um, you know, his career war is 30.7, and he's played six years in the big leagues, I think. is Seven. When you add all the seven, when you add all the service time up. Um, it, he's a polarizing player because I mean he he kind of has that villain 
not attitude, but he just isn't well liked. Yeah, people love to hate him. Right. So yeah. I think that fits in good with Philly. Um, if he does well. Now, if he does bad yeah. in Philly, this could be a disaster. Oof. Yeah. But I think, he kinda, I think he's going to do fine there. I think, you know, you plug him in right field. Um, he's going to probably hit at least 30 home runs in that ballpark a year for the yeah. next six, seven years. Um, put, put a good lineup around him. We talked about it when we previewed the NL East that this Phillies lineup is as good as I think as good as any lineup that he's been a part of, especially better than Absolutely. the one he was in last year. Yeah. Um, so protection there with Rio Muto and Hoskins on, you know, they're probably going to bat in front of and behind him, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got other guys like Sakura. But, uh, the question, Kutch, right. The question for me here is what do they do with the outfield now? Because um, it's it's clogged up when you talk about Altair, Nick Williams, Adubel Herrera. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm losing my like thought Roman of the other Quinn. center fielder. Roman, Roman Quinn. Quinn. And, of course, they signed McCutcheon. You know, they signed McCutcheon and Harper. You would assume signing the contracts that they did. They're going to play every day. Yeah, left and, and so right. So then it comes down to Roman Quinn and Adubel Herrera for center. What do you do with Nick Williams and Aaron Altair? Um I can't yeah. imagine that those guys are going to get optioned down. I think you're going to have to trade one of them. I, I don't think that – I know – I think Altair is out of options. One, one of those guys, two maybe, are out of options. Um, I think Nick Williams is a starting outfielder for somebody. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think he'll be the one that gets traded and Altair gets kept on as the fourth. I, I don't know about Roman Quinn's options. I don't really know about any of their options, but I know I remember reading that that some of them are out. But I think for the value that they would get back, Nick Williams would be the guy that gets that gets the boot out of Philly. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's clogged. I don't it's know where like he's Yankees going. In a but, sense. Um, yeah. You know, saw recently that Frazier came out publicly and said he wants to start in left field. I mean, who who wouldn't? But right. Um, so they, I think they're not done making moves here. I think they're going to make some a subtraction probably. Yeah. I and I think they still, you know, t- thinking about, you know, I said if they get Harper, I feel like they're going all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so future moves down the line, do they go get Kimbrel? Do they go get Keiko and? really just invest a lot and spend, like he said, stupid money yeah. this offseason to be a contender. Cause with this move for Harper, I think they're the favorites in the division now. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't love their rotation, which is why I think they'll probably try to make a play for Keiko. Yeah. Um, but their bullpen, you know, they made the addition of getting Robertson. So that shares up the back end and you slide everyone down. I think that's, that was a solid move there. So I mean, I you just see the ripple effect that it has on this team of uh, getting a player of the caliber of Bryce Harper. Um, so as far as like what it means for the division, like I said, I think it bumps them right up to the top as the favorites. They were, you know, they were first for a lot of games last year and they got cold, the Braves got hot, and then they really just fell off the face of the earth. I think they lost something like 20 of their last 22 games. Yeah, it was a collapse. Of the regular season, and they ended up finishing third behind the Nationals as well. Yeah. Um, but I think they've made some moves, you know, bringing a veteran and McCutcheon and Robertson in two different position groups. 
They bring in Harper, a veteran, I guess you could call him that. I mean, he's 29, but or 26, sorry. Um, so, you know, guys that have been there and done that before. So I think, you know, if if they get enough out of that rotation this year, there's no reason they should not win this division with the yeah. lineup that they have. Um, yeah, I would agree with so that. So my, my question – my question for you, though, yep. is, is like as far as this contract is concerned, no opt-outs, 13 years, a what I would say low annual value per year. Um, yeah, 25. I was talking with someone the other day, and to me it almost feels like Harper is a little about his ability to perform consistently because – you know, you think about Stanton getting those all those opt-outs in his contract. And I believe Machado had some opt-outs in his. Um, a lot of guys are going that way because they know they're betting on their self. Right. Where at age 30, you know, for example, I don't know the exact number, but at, like at age 29 or 30, Stanton can opt out and try to get another mega deal because he's performed well up to this point. Right. Um, but with Harper, it's like – you know, I just want to lock in and just know that I'm at least getting 25 million per year every year. Yeah. So what What are your thoughts there? Are you kind of thinking along the same lines, or do you have a different approach to that? I haven't thought about it a ton. It it is kind of. I mean, we saw the rumors of the Dodgers offering him like what would have been like 45 million for the annual yeah. average or something, which is for like four or five years. Would have destroyed the annual average record. I kind of feel like Bryce is com- a guy that commits hard when he commits. Uh, we, we've we seen how hard he plays the game. I mean, this is, we're talking about a guy that dropped out of high school to get his GED to start playing. I mean, he's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was like 16. I kind of feel like he he's committing. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't get in the guy's head. It's weird for a Boris deal to be like this. But I kind of just feel like he's committing to Philly for the rest of his career. And does that make sense at all? Like, yeah, I know. He's he's all in with them. Right. And I don't know. My thing is, like, that's not how a lot of professional athletes are. They want to go where the winds are, not where they feel the most comfortable. Right. Um, And what's, I mean, like you said, if he doesn't perform well. I know Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, but that's quite their awesome. fans are not friendly at all to players no. that don't perform. They are very fickle. Yeah. And and he will hear boos if he doesn't perform. Yeah. It's just, 13 years is a long time. You can't even give 13 year contracts on the sh- MLB the show. <laughs> it, it's uh, a yeah, long you can. time. You can get 15 Ten years. years. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you? yeah. Yeah. I always sign those middle borderline minor league, major league relievers that are always wanting five year deals. I always give them 15, so I don't ever have to deal with them again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a long time to commit to, to a, a player in an organization. It is, but I think it's a bargain if you kind of yeah. look down the future for the Phillies. You know, 25 million a year you have a little bit more flexibility where you can go get someone else here in a couple of years <coughs> if trail. you play your cards right. No, I mean, I think I think it's a dead – like, I think it's 
absolutely going to happen. I, yeah. I don't see any, I really don't see any scenario where it doesn't happen. We know how big a Philly fan Mike Trout is. With he the wants Eagles. to go home. Exactly. He's from New Jersey, which is just right up the right road. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, two years from now, I would be completely shocked if Mike Trout wasn't roaming center field at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. And that terrifies me because that means <laughs> that I'm going to get to see Mike Trout and um, Bryce Harper, what is it, like 19 times a year? Murdering so, baseballs yeah. for Philadelphia. So hopefully the pitching prospects work out for the Braves. But <laughs> You're going to need them all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, one last quick nugget on this little thing here. We're both big go for it. MLB The Show fans. Have you seen the cover with Bryce Harper yeah, in his face? It looks horrible. It's the worst cover uh, of the show since the Adrian Gonzalez cartoon cover. They're really mailing it in here lately. You know, they've taken away online franchise, not making any adjustments to franchise. I mean,. Just goes to show when you don't have a whole lot of competition, how yeah, it can affect the sure. product that you put out there. So, yeah, they're really mad. I think 2012 in. was the year. If you guys want to go look up um, the cover with Adrian Gonzalez, they, they put a cartoon version of him on the game, and they'd never done that before. It just abs- absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, anyway, it looks photoshopped and weird. But so, yeah, probably is photoshopped. <laughs> it probably is, honestly. But with that said, uh, we're going to move on with our division previews. Uh, we'll be doing two this week so we can stay on pace for when the regular season starts. Um, and I was actually looking if we keep with our Thursday uh, show schedules, our show in one, two, three weeks will be on opening day because that yep. uh, March 28th is opening day. So. We will have an opening day show, hopefully. Um, but well. tonight we're going to preview the American League Central, but which is, in a word, terrible. Um, last season, the Indians won the Central at ninety-one and seventy-one, um, which was just barely. I don't know. That was not. The Yankees were better and won a wild card. The A's may have been better than that and took a wild card. Yeah, the A's won 97 games. Yeah, okay. I believe. And then the Rays won like 90 games. Mm-hmm. So you could put a lot of other teams in this division and they'll be winning it instead of missing the playoffs. Um, but the Indians won it at 91 and 71 last year. The Twins came in second at 78 and 84. So you only had one team above 500. Uh, twins were followed by the White Sox that went 62 and 100, and the Royals, no, yes. Uh, and then they were followed by the Tigers that went 64 and 98, and then the Royals went 58 and 104. Um, so you had two teams lose over 100 and one lose 98. So it's the Tigers good. were in third there. Yeah, yeah, I see that. It's I weird see. how they've got it. They've, they've got, got it laid out uh, for ranked for the projected, yeah. Yeah. Instead of how it played out. Yeah. yeah. Poor design on their part. Way to go, fan graphs. That is a little weird. Um, but as far as this season goes, the Indians, again, the favorite to win it, as they should be, returning most of their starting pitching staff. Not in love with their outfield at all, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, they got the Twins there projected to go 82 and 80. 
followed by the White Sox, 70-92, Royals, 69-93, and Tigers, 68-94. and So a little improvement they expect, but not much. Um, but taking a look at the teams here, uh, we'll just start with the Tigers and work our way up the ladder. Um, not a lot to write home about with this Tigers roster. Nope. Um, uh, they got Nick Castellanos out there in right field who can absolutely rake, probably trade bait. Um, a lot of he's rumors about him horrible. getting traded. Yeah, I mean, he's a third baseman Defense- that they put in the outfield. Defensively, he has something like a negative ten defensive run save last Yikes. year. That is so. That's bad. He came up as a third baseman. They stuck him in the outfield for some reason. Um, but he's got a great bat. Uh, Miguel Cabrera still in Detroit on the last legs of his career, probably. Um, I mean, it, it, I'm looking at the roster and. I recognize some of the names just because of playing the show, but if the casual baseball fan takes a look at this roster and they say, who the hell are these guys? (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's rough. No, it's, it's tough. Um, They're in the rebuild mode though. I mean, they're, Oh, for sure. They're having a rough go of it too. They haven't really drafted particularly well. I know they had the number one pick, I believe this past year, last year when they got Casey Mize. Yeah. Um, so they've obviously got – I think he's probably going to progress right along. He'll I mean, look be at the rotation. Yeah. I feel like he'll he be will, on the fast track to the bigs. Yeah, they're going to want him up soon. They don't really – I mean, you've got Michael Fulmer, who at one time was almost considered an ace. Yeah, kind of um, fell off a lot last year. He's had some injury problems too. <sighs> yeah. So we'll see if he can bounce back. I know – I think Matthew Boyd – is that Matthew Boyd? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be there one right now until Fulmer can show that. Uh, yeah. Last year, Fulmer was three and twelve in twenty-four starts with a four-six-nine ERA and a WHIP of one point three. Looking at some of their prospects, I mean, Mize is their number one guy. You know, he's projected to be ready next season, but I think he's probably going to get. I think he's probably going to get called up at some point. At the end yeah. of the year, maybe a September guy. Um, but then just going through some of these other guys, none of them stand out to me. Yeah. None of them. I mean, absolutely awful. Um, they're having a rough go at, at, at the rebuild process. So they're probably going to be stuck down here at the bottom for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, I'd, so. I'd expect them to trade Cassianos, maybe expedite that rebuild a little bit. Yeah. So. I don't imagine he'll be around long in Detroit. Um, But the next team um, on the list, Kansas City Royals. Not a lot to write home about there either. This division is rough, guys. It's going to be depressing. I hear the enthusiasm in your voice. (laughs) I haven't slept much the past weekend, but – yeah, I mean, if you're listening and you're like, I want to become a fan of a team, don't don't pick a team in the AL Central. Just for your own good. Um, the Royals, you know, they got Salvador Perez, but sounding like he might be having Tommy John surgery. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be out for the year. But I've heard on Twitter, which is obviously a huge blow to them, gold glove catcher going down. 
Um, they do have Whit Merrifield at second base, very solid second baseman. I think we met, I think we both had him in our top five. Yeah, he's a, he's a perennial All Star in my opinion. Yeah. He's a good Talk player. He's speed. a little he's a little older, but he is a good player. Mm-hmm. And um, then their outfield. Uh, okay, so their shortstop apparently is the next big thing for Mondesi. the Royals. I'd, yeah. Yeah. So they're really high on him. They expect him to – he's 23-year-old. They expect him to do fairly well. Last year in 100 no, – that's not last year. That's total career stats. I will throw the total career stats out there. 171 at-bats over the course of three years. He's got – you know, he's hitting 292 with a 309 OBP. OPS is 788. Not very good there. Um, but – you know, 147 at bats in three years. How old is he? You know, he figures 23. Yeah. Okay. He's gonna step right in and be their everyday shortstop from opening yeah. day on. So we'll see. I don't know a whole lot about him, so I can't sit here and pretend like I do. Yeah. Um. But we'll see. I'm trying to get his they measurables. Like, they like uh, they're you know talking about their outfield. I think you were about to talk about it. They yeah, got a, it was. They got a lot of outfielders there. Um, and Brett Phillips is a guy that they got from Milwaukee that I, I think he could bust out and, and he, cause the guy has been, you know, he was kind of pushed down there in Milwaukee cause of all the outfield right. that they had, but a, a top prospect for them for a while. Um, and now has found a new home. If he can find at bats for the Royals, that's the thing. Cause they got, you know, they, they spent some money on Billy Hamilton, who is just, so overrated and garbage because he can't get on base and his whole game is predicated around speed. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Gordon can't really hit anymore, but he plays gold glove defense and left. So I, I don't know if you stick Phillips out there and right and split time with Solaire at DH or what, but they, they got a lot of people in the outfield. You know, Solaire like, hasn't played a whole player. lot. Um, he's yeah. had some injury problems. Uh, since he's been with the Royals, he's only accumulated just over 300 bats in two seasons. Yeah, that's not much so at all. Not hit particularly well as far yeah. as for average. Um, last year, he, he did a little bit better. He had uh, a real hot streak there last year. At some point, I remember because um, I had him in fantasy, I think. But yeah, not a not a guy that who who you expect. I mean, he's supposed to hit. That's his whole game, but mm-hmm. he just doesn't really. <laughs> They got they brought over Terrence Gore too from the Cubs. Yeah, probably probably one of the fastest guys in baseball. Yeah, Um, and and you saw in the I think it was in that play in game with the the Rockies they put him in uh, late in that game and everyone knew that he was going to steal. They put him in to run for Rizzo, I believe, and everyone knew he was going to steal, and you just you couldn't get him out. Yeah, Uh, he's super fast. We'll see how they use that. He's got sixty three at bats. Play and, for them, didn't he? For the Royals? Yeah, he did. He did the year before last. He was with the Royals. Wasn't he? Yeah, I thought he was there. If you go on he his get baseball, a whole lot of bats. Yeah, if you go on his baseball reference, he has only sixteen at bats in his whole career. But if you go on his uh, baseball reference page, his position is listed as pinch runner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so about right. Literally just runs. He has 16 career at-bats in the 
63 career games. Yeah. All he does is run. And he has 27 stolen bases. Yeah, that's that's. Fast. He has 11 more stolen bases than he does at bats. That's crazy. <laughs> that's he's he's 27 for 31 and stealing. So it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's a nice weapon. To have. Uh, their rotation, nothing to write home about. Danny Duffy is a good lefty. Uh, he's lefty, ain't he? I think. <laughs> Listen, guys, I haven't slept much. I'm pretty sure he's a lefty, but. He's pretty solid. Um, He's a lefty. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, was a little down last year uh, with an ERA close to five, but a career ERA under four. Um, you know, he's probably a, a three on another team, but for the Royals, it's just not great. It'll depend on how their season goes. Maybe they try to trade chip him. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, like like the Tigers, they're in a rebuild as well. I think per Salvador Perez would have been floated out there as trade bait. I don't know if they would have traded him just because he's such a fan favorite. Right. Uh, uh, Merrifield, before he signed that contract extension, well, there were rumors floating around bait. about, you know, potentially trying to send him somewhere else. So yeah. they're in the middle of a rebuild. Basically, anyone under or anyone over 25 is available at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, they did go out and sign Chris Owings, who, you know, is going to be kind of their utility guy. Wouldn't be surprised if he plays some or plays a lot at third base for Hunter Dozer. Yeah. Um, they went out and got Boxberger. They go in the pen. Uh, I mean, it's, but as far as the rest of the rotation, nobody strikes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah. absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, so, um, as far as prospects go, they got Brady Singer, who was their first round pick last year. Yeah. Um, they, they're pretty high on him. He's got a really good fastball and slider. Um, he doesn't have any stats for the minor leagues. Apparently, he didn't play in the minor leagues last year. Um, but anyway, he came from he came he pitched at Florida. Yeah. So I mean he's he's had that he's twenty two, so he's much further along than a guy you draft out of high school. Right. Um so I don't know if he's gonna be available this year, but certainly we think next year he's gonna factor into that rotation. Yeah. Um for sure. So I mean he's their top prospect. As far as the rest of the guys go, um not a whole lot there. They've got a catching prospect at number three. Um, don't know no, know a lot about him. It's the Melendez kid, MJ Melendez. No um, idea. He's he's a defensive catcher, basically. Gotcha. So, which gotcha. pretty much everyone is if you're playing catcher nowadays. Pretty much. Um, but pretty none of these other guys, I haven't heard of any of them, so none of them really stand out. Yeah. Um, there's a guy, number 23, the guy's name is Blake Perkins. He's got a cool name. So, yeah. uh, oh, and the guy in front of him is Austin. So, there you go. Austin so Blake. Like Those guys are probably going to be leaders. really good. They're probably going to carry this team to a World Series title. Probably going to be um, fry cooks at McDonald's. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, All right. The rest of the division. Um, the White it gets Sox. gets a little better. Yeah, it gets a little better. I will say with the White Sox, I think they could surprise maybe um, be a little better than people expect this year. I know they missed out on pretty much everybody they were going for. Uh, Bryce Except for Harper. The guys they were going for to get the guys they were going for. 
Yeah, they they signed Yonder Alonso and John Jay because they were besties with Machado at Miami, and then they didn't get Machado, and they tried to get Bryce Harper and they didn't get Bryce Harper, so they're stuck with an outfield of John Jay, Adam Engel, and Daniel Palka, which is you know thrilling, I'm sure for White Sox fans. Um, but they got some guys that can play. Uh, Wellington Castillo can hit when he's not serving suspensions for PEDs. Uh, Jose Abreu, a very underrated player from Cuba who has done nothing but rake since he's come over here. Uh, Moncada, a former number one prospect that still kind of waiting on his breakout. He showed some flashes of some good play last year, but still hasn't really put it all together. Um, but has all the tools, all the makings of a superstar at second base. Um, Strikes uh, out way too much. He does strike out a lot. So in 578 at-bats last year, he struck out 217 times. Yikes. Which is good enough for a thir- almost a 38% strikeout rate. Which yeah, is uh, that's borderline. You're going to the bench. Yeah, it's not good. Um, Got to cut down on those K's. And his walk rate was seventeen percent. So seventeen percent walk rate is pretty solid. That's pretty good. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's that's career walk rate. Um, yeah, it's a little bit lower than I think. It's more like fourteen percent, which is still not bad. I mean, yeah, that's. Acceptable. But when you're striking out, uh, you know what did I say? Thirty-eight percent of the time. Yeah. And then you're walking. 14% of the time, that's 52% of your at-bats. You're either striking out or walking. Yeah, it's, uh, Not it's ideal. Um, 17 home runs. That's a that's a low number for I think he projects. I think he's probably going to hit more than that once he yeah. learns how to hit. If he does. I mean, who, you know, this is all ifs. But yeah. I think he has the potential to probably hit about 30 home runs a year. Um, plays good defense. Yeah, um, they got the speedster at short, Tim Anderson. If he can ever figure out how to hit, he he's a decent little shortstop. Um, they got Farragut, Farragut High School grad Nikki Delmonico roaming around out there playing third, and he plays some outfield too, I believe. Um, rotation, Carlos Rodon is nasty. He has a filthy slider. Uh, the bullpen's not... Not bad. They got Colme no. in there. Uh, Kelvin Herrera throws gas. Um, what do you? What sticks out to you on on the White Sox roster? I guess or like, how do you think I mean, they're? I kind of think they might be a little better than people think this year. I think they might be contending for that second wild card spot. You know, obviously yeah. that first one I think is going to go to whoever doesn't win the AL East. Um, and then I think it's going to be down to the Athletics. And the White Sox, and maybe a, f- a couple other teams. Tampa, Tampa, right? Um, maybe the Twins. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be down to a couple other teams for that second one. I think if the White Sox can get a little more production out of that rotation, you said Rendon. He's, you know, he. I don't know if he's an ace. Probably not, but he yeah. is very good. Um, and then you've got Giolito, who's not not performed to what yeah. his. Uh, what his expectations really, were. Neither him or Lopez, Ronaldo Lopez, either. Both of them right. from the Nationals. Um, but they've still got 
still waiting on Michael Kopech, who pitched in AAA last year yep. and had okay numbers, a 370 ERA, 170 strikeouts, and 126 innings. I think if That's if they could get him up, get him in that five spot, get some more – because Manny Banuelos, look, I, yeah, I am a Braves fan. I know when he was acquired by the Braves, he's not going to cut it. He's kind of like Jason Vargas for the Mets at their five spot. That's yep. not gonna. That's not gonna work out. So I think you get uh, Kopech up there, um, and then of course they've got another prospect and Eloy Jimenez, who is absolutely. Right. Gonna I mean, match. he's on the cusp. I mean, you talk about 211 at bats last year in AAA. He hit 355 yeah. for 12 yeah. home runs. This guy is gonna hit 399 OBP, uh, OPS right at one. Yeah. I think he's going to be up right after the service time issue gets fixed or, you know, like, I mean, just uh, keeping him down to get that extra year. Yeah. And I think he's going to come right up, step right in, make that outfield a whole lot better. John Jay's a solid piece, I think. Jay, um, yeah. I'm he not can, sure if he's he going to play on, center. Yeah, I don't know. He gets on base but, like a, a crazy amount. But, yeah. Um, but what – what sticks out to me is those two prospects, honestly. Yeah. Other than Moncada, I like Moncada, and I, yeah. I love Abreu. I've always been a big Abreu guy. Yeah. Um, Jimenez. So, uh, Eloy is, doesn't really get talked about that much. I guess. I don't know if it's just because Vlad and Tatis, but like he's gonna rake when he yeah. finally does come up. I mean, you talk if you were to say, you know. I don't know Tatis's numbers. I haven't looked at them, but let's say he hit 355 and 200 at bats at AAA with 12 homers and a, a one OPS. People are going to start saying he's he's the next thing. Like he's the next yeah. Griffey. He's the next. Uh, I don't a know. Rod. I guess a Rod, whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, he's just doing it quietly out on the south side, and when he gets up, man, he's going to rake you know, yep. if he can adjust to this league. For sure. And my connection was just lost. But anyway. You said – we're about to say something about the bullpen. Yeah, so the bullpen's not – I mean, I like what they did there getting Colome and Herrera. Yeah. I don't know a lot of their other – I think – I don't they, I feel like they, I should yeah. know Nate Jones. Nate Jones, yeah, he's pretty solid. I'm, I'm going to look up his numbers real quick. So last year uh, – let's see here. Last year – he had an ERA of three in 33 games, only 30 innings. He may have been oh, hurt some. I think he may have been and hurt the year before. Year. He only Maybe threw 11 not. innings a year before. Um, but if you go back to 2016, he had 80 had strikeouts in 70 innings um, with a 2.29 ERA. So if he's his 2016 self or his 2012 self, that's which, a good you know, that's going three. back. Yeah, that's that's a good seventh man. A lot of teams would would like to have that. Um, okay, he must have had. I don't know. Yeah, he had Tommy. No, I don't know what happened to him in 2018, but it was some injury. But he had Tommy John in 2013 to 2014. I don't know what happened to him in 2018. I got you. But yeah, I mean, you could, you could have a lot worse situations in your bullpen, a la oh, for sure. the Royals and the Tigers. Yep, for sure. Um, the fourth team in the division, uh, the Minnesota Twins. 
kind of been hovering around, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, trying to contend, kind of falling off a little bit. Um, I think they could sneak up on the Indians and win the division this year if things go right for them. If Sano and Buxton finally start playing like the top prospects that they were, if the rotation can stay healthy, um, they're getting Michael Pineda in there after his uh, Tommy John he had last year. If Jose Barrios becomes an ace, they could win the division. That's a lot of ifs, I know, but I like some of the pieces that they brought in. Jonathan Scope to play second. They got Marwin Gonzalez to play everywhere. Um, uh, I read a thing. I, I love Byron Buxton. I wish the guy would hit because he's amazing defensively. He's fast. Like He's got all the tools to be a superstar. He just hasn't put it all together yet. And read something that made me super excited. He put on like 15 or 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. And then he went out and cranked the tater the other day. And I really hope that this is when he finally busts out. But I'm not going to hold my breath because he's burned me so many times before. Um, I like what the Twins have on their roster. I think their rotation could be really good. With I mean, they have Pineda there in the four hole. And he's... His slider is one of the best pitches in baseball when he's on. Uh, they got Nelson Cruz in there, adding some pop at DH. So I, I feel like they could maybe sneak up on the Indians this year again. They've done it before. Um, I think they could again. What do you think about the Twins? I think they made some really good moves. You know, you talk about scope. Crone is going to be an under yep. underestimated move. I love Get him. A- Bunch of home Get runs a ton last of year. Bombs last year. Uh, to sum up, Bucks and I saw a tweet. I think I saw it because you liked it. Um, it was one of those tweets where it's like, well, I'll just I'll just read it. It was the I one from uh, was it the one from Cespedes Barbecue? Yeah, it was yeah. like uh, Buxton hits the home run and don't say does it. something don't amazing say it. on defense. It's like, and then your mind's like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, yeah. and then it says. Byron Buxton is going to be an all-star or something like that. Yeah. Like Buxton's yeah. finally breaking through. Yes. That really sums up his it career does. so it far. It does. Being the number one overall pick, I don't remember. What year was that? Do you know? Uh, I don't remember. Been, but, I mean, he was, a, he was a legit five. Um, You know, we talk about those players. He was a rare talent. He just has yeah. not put all five tools together yet. He's shown flashes all the time. Right. I mean, the defense has always been there. The speed has always been there. Yeah. It's just the hitting hasn't been there. And that is the hardest thing to get there. Mm So, um, I like Kepler. Uh, They just signed Kepler and Rosario to the season. Yep. Um, Excuse me. Um, Miguel Sano, another big power guy. There's a lot of power in this lineup. You know, Rosario can run into it and hit 20 home runs a year. Uh, Sano can hit 30 home runs a year. Scope can hit 30. Crone, we know, can hit 30. Cruz can hit 30, 40 home runs a year. It's a lot of boomer bust here in this lineup. Yeah, okay, I just remembered something. You were talking about uh, Polanco and, and Kepler both signing those extensions. Um, something really cool that I thought about that I wanted to mention. Those two guys – Polanco is from the Dominican Republic. 
Max Kepler is from Germany. They grew up playing baseball. They came into the Twins farm system together. They signed their extensions with the Twins on the same day. Two guys, absolutely nothing in common. One from the Dominican, one from Germany. Nothing in common but one thing. They play baseball. And to me, that's just a beautiful thing, man. Like This sport, unlike any other sport maybe in the world, brings people like I mean, do you know? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, right. Two How many guys players do you know from, come from Germany too? Yeah, really. It's just they're roommates. I think like these are two guys that never would have met at all, and now by all means, they're probably like best friends, and they signed extensions to play, keep playing, and living their dream on the same day. That's just a beautiful thing to me. I'm pretty sure they were both four year deals. Now, don't quote me on yeah. that. Um. But yeah, man, that's just the power of sports in general, yeah. too. It's just how it brings people with different nationalities, different backgrounds together. Um, you know, you talk about obviously the most popular sport around the world, soccer, soccer, and the impact of the World Cup and how it brings, you know, sixteen, I think, different or thirty-two or some some huge number, uh, different teams from different countries together, and all the fans that go with it to watch it, um, and just. You know, and that's just, that's just the World Cup. We're not talking about, you know, Premier League and MLS yeah. and all these different leagues. And then basketball and its impact across the world. And, you know, what Yao Ming did for the game whenever he came to the NBA and brought, you know, grew the entire brand of it in China. Um, and then it's baseball, you talk about the Asian the Asian population when it comes to baseball. I mean, oh, yeah. And how the MLB is going to be opening up their season again this year in Tokyo. Um, so it's just amazing what sports can do and how it can cross barriers and, you know, countries have differences and we all know that obviously with the recent news of everything going on, but how the sports can kind of just make that disappear for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that was kind of a tangent off the twins, but, uh, yeah. Byron Buxton has the makings of a superstar. And then the rotation, um, I yep. know you're high on Berrios. I'm still waiting for him kind of to break through. He's kind of the same way as Buxton, just hasn't right. really put it all together. Uh, I think Pineda, if he's healthy, can be a solid number three or four. Absolutely. Rizzi, we know what he can do when he's at his best. Uh, I like Kyle Gibson when he can do his best. But yeah, here, here is another situation for a free agent pitcher to step in right away and make this team tremendously better. Yep. I think this would be – for the twins, a perfect fit for Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. I know I want the Braves to get him, but I, and there's a lot of stuff floating out there that the twins are, you know, checking up on him or whatever. I think, uh, Atlanta and Minnesota are two of the, the better fits perfect for, as far as the team, spot. as far as the team, maybe not for him, yeah. maybe for him, it is to go back to Houston. Um, but as far as teams that need him the most and would fit for him the most, I think the twins are obviously for me, number one, um, you know, you could you could put him at the top, push Barrios down, take a lot of that pressure off of him for being yeah. the ace, and then you push Gibson down, Odorizzi down, and then Pineda, who you know, coming off Tommy John, he can be the five, or you can throw Martin Perez out there and give Pineda a few extra days off. And if I'm not mistaken, Trevor May, reliever type, um, I think I think that's right. I think he was Trevor. a starter when he came up. 
Yeah, he is. He um, is. He's he's a long guy. He could step into the rotation if he needs. He could to. make a few starts. You know, stretch himself out if he had to. Yeah, he was yeah. a starter when he came up. He moved to the bullpen in 2016. Um, he may have had Tommy John in 2017. I think he did because he sat out the entire year. So I mean, yeah, right there you got two guys who've had Tommy John. Um, you know, in the recent in the last two years to bring in another starter to kind of give you some more depth there. Um, can't hurt. Yeah. Definitely cannot hurt. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and then as far as prospects go for them, there's really two guys that come to mind. Uh, Royce Lewis, a shortstop, number one pick, or first round pick, uh, number one overall, actually, in 2017. Uh, he's he's not going to be up this year, but you talk about guys who got it, who have it all. Yeah. He's got it all. Um, you know, he, his running ability is obviously his number one threat. Like he's super quick, uh, but he can hit for average as well and plays pretty good defense. He's only 19, so he's probably not going to be up this year. Look more towards next year. And then the outfielder, um, Alex Kirilov. I've heard of his Kir- name a yeah, lot. Kirilov. Kirilov. He's in a similar situation. They both only topped out at high A last year, so they're probably not on the projection to get to the big leagues this year. Um, but certainly a little, a little nugget there for any of the twins fans. That's, that's pretty good stuff to lean back on when you've got two yeah. really good position players um, going forward. Something else about the twins. They hired uh, Rocco Baldelli to be their new manager. And I absolutely love that hire. I, think that's going to be a home run for them i like baldelli a lot he's going to be he's going to be one of those new wavish kind of guys like matt uh kapler in philly um but i i like him a lot he spent a lot of time in tampa down there with kevin cash where they always do weird stuff in tampa bay um kind of bring that recipe up to minnesota yeah i'm excited to see what he does in minnesota um, I, th- I think he's a good fit there. So, um, But turning our attention to the top of the division, the Cleveland Indians have run it for the past few years now, mainly on the backs of an absolute stacked rotation and Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor being studs at third and short. Um, they retain the core of their team with those two. Um, they bring Carlos Santana back in from Philadelphia a year a year off in Philly. Um, and then, of course, their rotation, Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, Clevenger, and Bieber are as good of a one through five as you'll find in the American League, if not the entire MLB. Um, even if Trevor Bauer is a douchebag, he can pitch a baseball. Not if. He definitely is one. Yeah, yeah he is 100% a douche. Um, the biggest question mark for the Indians, and maybe they're a team that goes after a guy like Nick Williams, is their outfield. Because I look at their outfield, and it does not strike fear into me at all. They lost Michael Brantley, and um, so now they have Tyler Naquin, Leonis Martin, who battled a horrible like leg infection last year, mm-hmm. Jordan Luplo, and Greg Allen. That is not people that I'm afraid of. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jose Ray, Jose Ramirez and uh, 
Frankie to hit as good, if not better, than they did last year. I don't even know if they can get any better. Um, two MVP candidates, they have to carry this lineup. Um, I like right. Jake Bowers coming over from Tampa. He's got a lot of pop at first base. I think he might can play some outfield, maybe. I don't know. If he can, remember. he's probably going to try this year. Yeah, he's definitely um, not going to hit for a high average, but has a lot of pop. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is all about the rotation and, and Ramirez and Lindor. That's their bread and butter. Yeah, Bowers played in 20 games in the outfield last year for Tampa. Um, defensive run save was right at zero. So average. I mean, he only yeah. had 27 putouts and 28 chances, had one assist. Um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, a guy that was going to factor into their outfield, Bradley Zimmer, is out into July with labrum surgery. Yep. So that even thins out that outfield a little more. I think that's a great point you made there with Nick Williams potentially being available or any of those outfielders if they yeah. become available. I think the Indians got to go calling. Um, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe they go calling inside their own division with Cassianos. Maybe. Um, stick him in the outfield because I know his defensive – liabilities are concerning, but the power that he brings in the protection that he could bring to that lineup is something you could definitely deal with long enough. Um, Absolutely. Maybe you stick Bowers in the outfield and then you put Santana at first and you can put Cassianos at DH, something yeah. along those lines. But yeah, I mean, you've got probably, if we're talking one, two punch in baseball, it does not get any better than Jose Ramirez and Lindor. No. Um, you know, two perennial MVP candidates year in and year out. Um, the rotation is absolutely disgusting. The top four, it's when you talk about quality of arm one through four. Oh, yeah, you'd be hard stretched to find a better one through four. Yeah, I don't think you can. Um, and I think that's that's why you know Kluber was maybe available this offseason because they yeah. knew. The other three could definitely – like, if you slid everyone, took Kluber out, slid everyone up, you're still going to get really high production out of Bauer, Carrasco, and Clevenger. Yeah. Um, so, they're going to lean on that that rotation a lot. Don't love their bullpen. I like Brad Hand. He's going to yeah. be – I think he's going to be solid. I'm assuming he's going to take over the closer position yeah, with the will. loss of Andrew Miller. Um, the rest Simber, of them, didn't they just acquired Simber last year when they got on the project, in, didn't dude. they? Yeah. yeah. They signed Oliver Perez, Blake Fulton's favorite player. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say this whenever we were talking about the Twins, but I meant to. If anyone's going to steal this division away, I think it's going to be the Twins. Yeah. Um, it's not hard for me to envision a collapse from the Indians. Right, and like, that here here's the question here because you've got a lot of guys who are either nearing the end of their service time or getting older, like Kipnis, and you're talking about Kluber getting older. Yeah. Um, Carrasco, I know he just signed an extension, but I'm not saying full rebuild, but if things don't shape out well this year, let's say they miss the postseason. In this division, if you miss the postseason and you're the Indians, Yikes. that's a massive letdown. Yikes. Yeah. So you wonder if it changes in order after that. We'll see how it plays out. Um, they definitely still need another outfielder. I, I can't imagine they're going to play this entire season without acquiring somebody else. Yeah, me neither. 
Um, the, you know, the window. Adam Jones is still out there. And honestly, yeah. looking at those four guys, Adam Jones, I think, is better than all of them. I agree. Um, so, we'll see. The window kinda, for the Indians. It's uh, shrinking. Is closing quickly. Yeah. yeah. And kind of along those lines, you know, we talk about I could see the Twins winning this division. I still think the Indians do win it. Yeah, I think I their rotation is still too disgusting. Um, and I think they're going to get enough offensive production out of Lindor and Ramirez. And, you know, they play in a weak division, so that helps. Yeah. When you're playing these other – if you were playing the White Sox, the, you know, Tigers, and Tigers 19 times a year, you got to, you're going to win probably 13 of those games, more yeah. than likely. Um, you know, the Twins are better. White Sox are getting better. I don't know if they're quite there yet as no. far as rotation goes. <laughs> Um, I'd like the Indians here, but the thing with the Indians, and we saw it last year, the pitching is great, but when you get into the postseason, if you can't outscore the other team, like you can hold them two, three runs, but if you can't score four, it doesn't matter. Right. And I know pitching is dominant in postseason, and it means so much, but it can only carry you so far. Yeah. Um, You got to have so that. Especially with these teams that are getting super, like these super teams now. Now with the Phillies, you saw with the Red Sox last year, the Astros, where they have so many good offensive players that even great, fantastic, elite pitching cannot keep them down the entire game or an entire series. Yeah. So just taking a look at the division as a whole, how do you think? I mean, I think we both think the Indians are going to win, right? Right. What do you see playing out? I think it's probably going to play out just about how Fangraphs has it. I think yeah. Indians are probably going to win it. I think Twins are going to be right there, closer than the ten ten win or the ten games back difference that they're putting out there. Yeah. I think it's probably it's definitely going to be in single digits. I agree. I'm thinking more around five or so. I think Twins are going to be right in the postseason hunt until the I end of the year. I think it would take an injury to one of the Indians starters for the Twins to win the division. A significant but, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a like a torn shoulder or something. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, the White Sox sitting there at three, if everything clicks for them and they could get some production, more production out of that rotation, maybe with the Kopech coming up. Yeah. I think I I think they have a shot. I'm gonna put it at probably about a five percent chance of winning the division. Yeah. Um, but you know, I would probably go Indians are sitting right at 75% and then Twins are at 20 and then White Sox at 5 and I I really think there's no chance the Royals or Tigers win this division no, at all. There's not um, no chance. I agree. I think the Indians will take it. I think the Twins will push them, but like I said, I think it would, it would take a, a significant blow to that rotation for them to uh, for them to win the division. Um, but that's our AL Central preview. It's not not a great division, um, but it is what it is. Hopefully, it'll be getting better soon. Um, we'll do the NL Central later this week when we catch back up. I'm excited about that one. I'm with my Cardinals. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath, but we will do that later. For now, we're going to take a quick break, and then we, when we get back, we're going to talk some college hoops. A lot of stuff happened past weekend. Um, the Vols sink Kentucky, and we will talk about it in just a few minutes, so hang with us.
back to infield fly guys we're going to talk a little college hoops um this segment a lot of stuff going on uh, obviously the big game that we care about tennessee got their revenge on the little kitty cats from uh, lexington <laughs> absolutely spanking uh, kentucky at home what was the final score we won by 19. I don't 19. remember the exact score. Um, we, we spanked them. Jordan Bone was – I unfortunately did not get to watch. I was at the Infantryman Museum in – Lame. 71-52. Uh, it was phenomenal if you can ever go down there. It's fantastic. But I had my headphones in. I was listening to it as I went through the museum. Jordan Bone absolutely filling it up. 27 points, career high for him. Five for five from three was hitting everything. Uh, Ashton Hagens can slap the floor all he wants. He could not stop Bone. Uh, Grant Williams, 24 points, seven boards, could not be stopped, hit two threes. Um, yeah, I mean, Tennessee absolutely dominated in this game. Uh, Kentucky shot 31%. 31%. 31%. They couldn't hit anything. Kentucky shot 29 free throws, and Tennessee shot 14, and Tennessee still won by 19 points. Tennessee outscored uh, them in the paint by like 15 points, too. Tell me how yeah. that works. Yeah, I, I don't know. The refs did not sound – on the on the radio, it didn't sound like the refs were doing much better than they did in Lexington, but didn't matter because the Vols showed up and showed out. Uh, Blake, you watched the game, so you probably have a little better perspective than I do. So what? Did yeah, you think I mean, about I was, it? I watched it. I was kind of out of it. Um, I worked Friday night and had a lot going on Saturday, so I didn't get to go to bed until Saturday night. Yeah, um, but I did watch it until there were two minutes left, and then I passed out because it was a blowout at that point. I mean, it was a blowout. About 15 minutes in, there was a dunk by Admiral on the baseline. Yeah. I think over some guy. I don't even remember who. Uh, and that was, I think it was Richards, Nick Richards. Yeah. And after that point, it was like, pour it on. I mean, right? I was watching with some other people, and like, this game's over. Yeah. Um, and Admiral didn't even have a good game. No, he played. Neither did Kyle, of course, again. Um, but it's, it was the defense, man. Like, everybody can say Kentucky was shot poorly and that's why they lost. But you know why they shot poorly? Because he was playing of, awesome D. Lamonte Turner was guarding Hagens or whoever was bringing the ball down from half court. As soon as they crossed half court, he was in their face. The intensity on defense returned. They – they basically did the exact same thing that was done to them in Lexington. Yeah. They came out, hit them in the mouth. Now, it was close early on. Um, even in going into halftime, they're not going into halftime, but I think Tennessee run, went on a little bit of a run there towards the end of the first half. And they were up by 13 at halftime. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think, it, Well, it around, started out, Kentucky was up seven to zip at the start of the game, and then Tennessee right. – I think Grant like hit a three or somewhere along those lines. Um, but anyway, Admiral did not shoot well. 0 for 6 from threes. Lamonte yeah. Turner 0 for 4 from threes. They both combined from the field to be 5 for 13 or 5 for 23 with 11 points combined. Um, but the defense was there from both of them. Turner had six assists, which is pretty good. It's very good. Um, it helps when Jordan Bones 5 for 5 from three. 
just he made three less shots than Kentucky did the entire game. He was yeah. 11 for 15. Kentucky was 14 for 44. Um, I know you were getting pissed at me the other day when I said Grant had been playing bad because he has been. No, he um, not. He just won. But I thought – I thought uh, I thought this is one of his better games of the year, because um, especially the way he responded to how he was treated in Lexington, he yeah. was getting bullied in Lexington. Yeah, he, was he was flying all over the place. Call it what you want to call it. Some maybe some are fouls, some definitely aren't. But he manned up and he dominated the paint as an undersized big. Um, it's still concerning to me about Kyle. He's played really bad the last yeah. two weeks. And Wes Rucker even has an article out right now. Um, I saw it. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't read it yet because it's a freaking VIP article. I'm not paying for paying to read that. Um, but the title of it was, you know, Kyle Alexander's towards the end of his senior year has been a huge letdown. Uh, yeah, it has been. He's fouled out of, I think, three of his last five games or something yeah. like that. He didn't even take a shot in this game. He took one free throw. Yeah. Um, Only played 12. No Fulkerson played more. Fulkerson played more than uh, Kyle did. Right. We need him to figure it out. Yeah, I, we do. I don't know what's going on. At least stay out of foul trouble. He doesn't have yeah. to get us 10 points. Just yeah, give us I'm, 10 boards and a few blocks. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He's been rough the past few weeks. I know he had the flu, I think, last week or something. He had it last week, yeah. He's been bad. It's almost like an automatic foul. And I, I know he's better than that. He's proven to everybody that he's better than that. And I, I know he's frustrated. I know Barnes is frustrated. Uh, Rucker kind of alluded to that a little bit in one of his tweets too. But at this point, I don't know if he's going to figure it out or not. Like we're, we're pretty late into the season to be figuring things out. But Right. Um, I thought Bowden had a, a better game. I don't think yeah, it was he's been, a huge step in the right direction, but I think it was a step in the right direction. The slump life is a tough life because I know I was listening. Like, I think he had a wide open layup, and then he was yeah, gonna, he tried to he was going to dunk it, and then he went to a layup, and it mm-hmm. just rimmed out. Like sometimes when things are going bad, you just can't get anything to fall. It looked like so he had went up to dunk it. And there was a guy kind of riding his hip the whole yeah. way down, and he was gonna try to. It wasn't really dunking on him, dunking in front of him. Yeah. Um. And it looked like the guy caught up kind of as Bowden went up to jump, and he wasn't expecting that. And so yeah. he transitioned to make a layup. Well, by then his hand was above the rim, and it was just very awkward, like when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But the oop that he caught from Grant, I mean, that's that was nasty. Goodness. I mean, people love the fly. dunk at the end of the game. But to me, that oop was just the icing on all of it because you yeah. got your six, seven power forward dribbling the ball down the court, and throwing alley oop to your, your small forward. Yeah. Um, part three is I mean, gonna be fun. Part three is gonna be fun. I don't want to hear about Reed Travis because Reed Travis is not a nineteen point difference for Kentucky. No. I don't want to hear that. But part three, Hero. if it happens, is gonna be fun. Hero to zero. I tweeted that out earlier this week. He shot yeah. two for 11. Oh, for five. There was three. one point um, early in the first half, he made like, he made a layup or something. He maybe made an open jump. Was he running but his anyway, mouth? Anyway, he ran his mouth and yeah. said, 
you can't guard me. He did not make a single shot the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, he likes, and then he likes to run that flapper. Keldon Johnson running out of the locker room, sticking his tongue out at fans. I don't have a problem with that. He's just messing around. But he shot very poorly as well. I think the first three-pointer he took in the game it may have been a second. It was one of the early ones he took. I mean, he was wide open. And that's that's a bucket where in Lexington it goes in every single time. Yeah. He barely grazed the backside of the rim. I um, hope Tennessee keeps this deep. This is the kind of defense that they were playing last year, the kind of right. defense that carried them to the SEC championship. And I hope that they found it again and they keep it up. Because really they haven't played that defense this year. They've given up a lot of three-pointers, and it just has kind of felt like the defensive intensity isn't really there as much mm-hmm. as it was last year. Like, maybe they got a little lax because of how good the offense is. But if they maybe this game they finally put it all together and hopefully we'll ride that out for the next two, uh, two regular season games and then on into the postseason. Because if, they, if they're playing defense like that, there's nobody that's beating them. I will say this, though. I know we didn't record last week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about Ole Miss and LSU. or yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about LSU. But the biggest problem that I have with this team is guarding long, lanky guards. Yeah. And that showed in the LSU game with – I think his name is last name is Maze or something. But mostly the smart guy, the Mewtwo Pokemon-looking oh, dude. Gosh. He's killing Girls them. that you could fit your forearm up. I mean – the guy scored 29 points. I think oh, mostly just driving to the basket and laying it in. Like, no and one he could didn't stay even shoot. They went extremely cold in that game. They started jacking up threes. We were up by yeah. nine late in that second half because they were just throwing threes up and bricking. Um, but yeah, he shot nine for 22. But the thing is, is we can't guard him off the drills and smart to the rim. And we have we foul them because we can't guard yeah. them, and so they both went nine combined. They went nineteen from twenty for twenty two from the field or from the free throw line. Sorry, including the two at the end, which I I didn't love that call. Maybe I'm yeah. seeing through my orange and white glasses, but no um, tough game to lose. You talk about this team too, real quick. We'll get into this here in a second after we get done talking about the game. But they've lost three games. Yeah. Two on the road to ranked SEC conference opponents, and then one at a neutral site versus the team that was number one at the time that had that was basically full strength. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you hate to lose a conference game like that because what it could cost you in conference tournament seating. Because now we're going to have to rely on Florida to get out of their woes and beat LSU tomorrow night, which yeah. I don't. Or I think it's Wednesday night, which I don't see happening. Um, cause now LSU has a tiebreaker over both Tennessee and Kentucky. So it, it really looks like LSU is going to be the one. So they're going to get the easiest path where Tennessee and Kentucky are going to have to play in the conference conference tournament against each other before yep. the championship. Um, but it concerns me with the NCAA tournament is defending those big guards that have big wingspans. I know bone, I think is listed at six, three and Turner is listed at six, two or six, three. But they just don't feel big. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that show, again, whenever Smart just basically took us to town. Yeah. Um, and then another thing real quick about Will Wade. I know I was high on him. Yeah, I want to be on the record real quick. I feel how I feel about him now. He's a crybaby. <laughs> I hate him. 
I've never seen a young coach get away with so much chirping at the refs. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, Rick Barnes tries to go, saves it for after the game. Yep. Tries to go talk to a ref and gets pulled back by another ref. Yeah, that was some Since when crap. is a referee allowed to wrap a coach up and prevent him from talking? It wasn't like he was screaming at him, chasing after him. Now, he was yelling at him, but he was walking towards him. Yeah, and the, ref, was, the other referee wraps him up. That's ridiculous. Some, that was some bull. I, I sent a tweet about that. And then after all that was when the guy – Came the picture came out with the dude holding up the LSU shirt. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Like, come on, it's it's ridiculous. Be better than that, SEC. Come on. I mean, there's no accountability in officiating. You can do whatever, and you don't have to answer to anybody, and that's bullcrap. Right. But whatever. You know. And then at the end of the, we didn't even as far as the Ole Miss game. A tough environment. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss is not not a great team. They're a good team. They're they played scrappy. really well. They're well coached, but yeah. they shot the lights out from three. Please, God, Admiral Schofield, never do what you did at the end of that game ever again. That was so taking a charge to end the game there on a three pointer. I don't think I've ever seen someone take a charge on a three point jump shot. And it, it wasn't was so right scary. at a three point line. It was five feet behind a three point <laughs> line. <laughs> Yeah. Like at that, that point, so scary. at that point, you let the guy just take that shot. If he yeah. makes it too freaking bad. I mean, it was a charge. It 100%. No, it absolutely 100% like, was a charge. He was don't. there. Just don't. And that's, that's because we're so scared of this awful officiating in this conference. Yeah. You don't know what's going to be called anymore. It's, and then I mean, Grant Grant Davis gets, yeah. <laughs> Gets teed up for throwing his jacket after that call. I mean, it's the right call. I get why you're upset because it's the end of the game. What does it matter at that point? But, Kermit looked like he had jumped in a pool. He was how so did he sweaty. keep his jacket on? <laughs> he was so sweaty. His game. shirt was so – it looked like he had taken a shower with his clothes on. <laughs> but the best part of that was after he threw his jacket and then all the old Miss fans started throwing crap on the floor – and he immediately got on the microphone and told him not to throw stuff after he Except just your jacket. After he just threw something. <laughs> yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. But um other action, uh Duke lost again um to somebody. We were just talking about it. Uh they pounded my game. Yeah, they pounded Miami. Duke on lost Saturday. to Virginia Tech last Tuesday. They lost to Virginia Tech on Tuesday. Pounded Miami Saturday. So they're North Carolina uh, escapes what? Clemson last week. Yes. Carolina. Roy Williams passes Clemson. out. The whole world gasps. Yeah, it. The top six in the AP now are Gonzaga, Virginia, Carolina, Duke, Tennessee, Kentucky, and they've all just kind of been beaten up on each other. Uh, Tennessee's beat Gonzaga and Duke's beat Virginia and Carolina's gotten beat by Virginia and Duke's beat Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky have beat each other. Duke beat Gonzaga and Kentucky. It's just been kind of a bloodbath up there. Like they've all been ranked highly. They've all kind of pounded on each other. And I said before we got on, I think any of those top six right there probably can win it all. You said you don't think Gonzaga can. Mm-mm. They they're on. I mean, they play in a horrible conference. They don't play anybody. Um, 
I said St. Mary's will give them a game like a few, like a month or something ago, and then they got beat by like 50. It's just been kind of ugly. But we do not understand how Duke can keep on losing and be 25 and four and get beat by Carolina, and Carolina gets rewarded by being moved into the top three, and Duke doesn't get punished at all for losing to to Carolina. And everyone's going to say it's because they don't have Zion, which is some bull crap because they also have a bunch of other – they have two other guys that are going to be drafted top five. Like, Right. That's not an excuse. And he's going to be back soon. I think – I actually got a thing on my phone that said he's going to be back maybe in their next game. Could be back tomorrow. They haven't announced it yet. Uh, yeah. Coach K did say he's in stage four out of four for the recovery process. Yeah. So. Um, but you look at North Carolina, man. Look, they've been playing good here lately, except for barely getting by Clemson, who's not a great team. There should have been um, a foul there at the end of that game. They have losses. They lost to Texas um, by three early in the year. They lost at Michigan. Yeah. They lost to Kentucky. They lost to Louisville at home. Um, and then they lost to Virginia at home. I mean, they've got five losses. And what I what what you good point you made was how can you reward North Carolina for beating Duke but not Duke not punish Duke for losing to North Carolina? You can't yeah. It's like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Duke has continued to lose, and they somehow have not dropped out of the top five this entire season. Um, so, look, I know Tennessee has lost. They lost to LSU, and they lost to Kentucky, and they lost to Kansas, which Kansas has fallen kind of pretty yeah, hard. But they were I mean, Kansas now have the same you know, team. Yeah. yeah. So, you look at Tennessee's losses. They lost on the road to the team that's now 10th and the team that's now 6th, which they ended up beating them. So yeah. they avenged their one of their three losses, and they're still at five. So, you know, it's the hypocrisy of the the AP voters. They're so in love with Duke because of the star power, and they're so in love with North Carolina because of the pageantry. Blue bloods, blue um, bloods. Yeah, and then so then they can have this whole storyline where you have three ACC teams in the top four. Yeah. So. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it doesn't matter, honestly. No, it doesn't. Because I think if Tennessee can can win out the rest of the year, can take care of business at home tomorrow night against State, and then beat Auburn on the road, and then I think if they get to the championship game in the SEC, I think they're a one seed. I do too. I, I think it's a lock. Um, and that's if they don't get embarrassed. Now, obviously, if they get to the SEC championship game and get embarrassed by Kentucky or LSU or whoever it ends up being, however it plays out, I think they're a two seed, but if they get to that game and lose by less than ten, I think they're a one seed. I don't, I don't care how any of this else plays out, because Gonzaga's locked in a one seed. Like it's, it's gonna happen. But then yeah. Duke, Virginia, and North Carolina, two of those teams have to lose at yeah. some point. Um, so that's that's at least gonna knock one of them out. And so you're looking at Tennessee, Kentucky, and then two of those teams battling for a one seed. I think Tennessee has a better resume than Carolina. Um, yeah, and I, I think, agree. I think Virginia is going to ultimately win that ACC tournament. And I think, you know, you're going to oh. have North Carolina and Duke playing early in that. Not early, but in the semifinals some, at some point. 
Um, so one of them's going to get knocked out earlier than they want to, really. Yeah. Um, so I think Tennessee still got a great shot at a one seed. Um, and looking at the bracketology real quick that yeah. Lenardi put out, I think yesterday, and I just yeah. closed it. I'll open it back up. I, I got it. It's oh here so, it is. I've got it on a slide. Okay, cool. Well, so right now he's got Tennessee as a two seed in, in Louisville, the, uh, South in the region, south. which would be. I'm fine with being in the South because I want to go to the Sweet Sixteen if we make right. it that far. And they got the one as Duke. In that yeah, that division. The way that lines up, I mean, you look at the seven ten of Wofford, Ohio State. I like that. I like yeah. having Purdue as your three C. I'm not a huge fan of Purdue. I don't think they're that good. Um, that region is kind of weak, honestly. Like Tennessee and Duke are top tier, but everybody else is just kind of bleh. I would be worried about Nevada. I think they've got good enough guard play to make a run. Marquette, Marquette's pretty good. But I mean, then you look at you look at the other ones. So Gonzaga would be the number one in the West. So they're going to be the number one overall, most likely. Yeah. Uh, unless I think if Virginia ran the table and I think won out, they would get it. If they, they might ACC, jump it. Yeah. Right. Um. But so Gonzaga out there in the West, you know, Michigan, I, I wouldn't want to be there. You talk about Kansas. They've That's got the talent. Three. They could get hot. Yeah. Villanova got the championship pedigree. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Duke. Right. Yeah, um, Michigan. I think of the two seeds. Well, hang on. ESPN likes to play audio when you're not even worried about what's going on. Anyway, um, I think out of the two seeds, Michigan is the one that scares me the least out of the yeah. four that you see up there. Yeah. Um, so I think they've got a good draw there. Um, I mean, I would, I wouldn't mind the way that South played out right now. The only concern is having to play Duke to get Duke. to the final four. Yeah. 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 I would much rather play I Gonzaga. I would much rather play any of those. Or Kentucky. Other. When did he I come out with Virginia. this? He has Kentucky as a, as the one there in the Midwest. This was March this? 3rd. Uh, so that was yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so the thing about Virginia and why I would rather play Duke as opposed to Virginia, Virginia just played, um, Syracuse on the road. Now, granted Syracuse runs the two, three zone. So it leaves them susceptible to teams that can shoot. Virginia just tied a team record. They went 18 for 25 from three point land. Kyle guy went eight for 10. And we DeAndre have Hunter, five for seven. Quite the struggles guarding the three point line this exactly. year. Exactly. That would concern me playing Virginia. I would yep. much rather play Duke than Virginia if they're going to shoot like Duke that. Because Duke can't shoot at all. Now, Duke what wouldn't concern build a me. a house with all the bricks they throw up. Yeah. Cam Reddish, I will give him 16 shots a game. He'll make four, if that. Uh, what wouldn't scare me about Virginia, I don't love their bigs. I know DeAndre Hunter is a big, lanky forward that can He's shoot. He's not very built, though. Right, and then the, they've got uh, the salt guy that looks like Kip that plays in the middle. But they they play. They don't yeah, scare me. It's just that's why they play that zone is to defend the the middle. So so I think we could handle them in the paint. Um, it would just be but I mean a lot a lot of things are obviously going to change. You're going to have teams that probably aren't going to make it. You look at Florida if they keep going down this path. I don't know if they make the tournament. Yeah. Um. And then you look at, 
Nevada, if they can make a run, they might be higher than a five seed. They were top ten, top seven. I think they were seventh as the highest they were ranked yeah. at some point this season. Um, I think Ole Miss over there in the Midwest, I think they could get a higher seed. I think they kind of deserve – well, I mean, they, they tailed off a little bit, but I think they could play a little better and get a little higher seed than that. Yeah. Kentucky's not a one to me. Uh, no, especially um, after they just – Got pounded by us. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how you defend putting them as a that's one. That's why I, I was you, asking. You like switch Kentucky to... and Tennessee, and that's probably a yeah. better, better pl- play for you. That's why I was asking when he came out with this, because when I saw Kentucky as a one, I was like, oh, okay, get that, but whatever. But yeah, so that's, that's I mean, that Tennessee coming up this week. They got. Uh, senior night tomorrow against Mississippi State. Not a pushover. Mississippi State, probably a tournament team, um, I, I think. Um, and then they close out the year with Auburn on the Plains. So, um, two teams that they should beat, um, but not pushovers at all. Hopefully, um, really only two seniors that play at all for Tennessee, Admiral and Kyle. Hopefully, they can Go out with a win against uh, Mississippi State at home. And um, with and then, State, um, yeah. real ahead. quick. So I talked about defending good guards. Yeah, They're not extremely long and lanky, but they have good guard play. Yeah, Quindary um, Weatherspoon is super good. He's one of the one of the better. I don't know a whole lot about Mississippi State basketball, but he's going to be one of their top towards the scorers. Top, yeah. Yeah, of all time. So. Yeah. Yep, Um, could be a couple good games. Uh, We'll be sure and tune in. And then the tournament coming up, we'll talk a little bit more about that on Thursday. Um, But I think that's pretty much all. Am I missing anything in basketball? I think that we pretty much covered it. I mean, other than there's one, two, three, four, five teams right now tied for the fourth seed in the tournament. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Florida's got – LSU coming up. Um, obviously, Auburn and State both have to play Tennessee. So you're looking at there's three of those five teams that are you would lean towards probably going to get a loss. Yeah. At it. So, and then you look at Alabama's right there. They're one game out. So a lot of teams vying. And the reason we say for the four the four seed is extremely important because it's a double bye. Mm-hmm. So you know you you get the four seed. You have to win. I think one game and you're in the semifinals, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um. But okay, so Georgia, I I was just looking at some of their their recent finishes. Um, they're two and fourteen. They've been absolutely horrible, but yeah. they played a lot of teams close really close games. here lately. Yeah. Um, I think they actually beat Florida last week. I'll pull that up. But they they were very close to beating. LSU, I think about a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, they beat Florida. Um, they lost to Auburn by three. They lost at Ole Miss by one. They lost to Mississippi State by one. Yeah. They lost at LSU or at home against LSU by four. So they are they've been playing pretty high to their competition. Yeah. Um. And then Auburn beat them. You know, I said they beat them by three. They hit a three-pointer with 20 seconds to go, which yeah, 13 losses in a row for Georgia, 16 for Vanderbilt. 
Um, well, Georgia so beat those, Florida. They just beat. Oh, okay, Florida. before that, my bad. But yeah, they ended yeah, at thirteen. They, yeah, ended they were at thirteen. Struggling, struggling right. badly. And then yeah, Vandy is about to be like. I think Bryce Drew's winless, gone. The first winless conference team in like sixty-five years or something like that. I think Bryce Drew gets fired. I don't I think do. I, I don't think he'll get fired this year. But if I, he next year he's gone. I understand sure. the argument that they lose Garland and it really it changed their entire season. I get that. Yeah. But to not win a single conference game to go yeah, nine and bad. twenty. It's bad. I just that's he's so hard to defend. Kevin Stallings. Yeah. He's doing his best Kevin Stallings impression, getting a, a good talent team and not performing. Yeah. But we're going to take one last short little break, and then when we get back, we're going to take a couple questions we had, and then we'll head out the door, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday. So stick with us for one last second. infield fly we're going to finish up real quick i appreciate all of you listening this far um don't forget we mentioned it earlier but if you don't listen to our uh baseball segment of our podcast we are going to be doing a tournament challenge with a couple other or a few other podcasts that we know of Um, we'll give you some more details about that put it on our website put it on our twitter page facebook page all that good stuff so when the tournament bracket gets released i think that it is the here let me pull it up i think that it's getting released on the 17th does that sound right Mm. yeah that's right that's the sunday of the sec championship game yeah um so be looking looking for that to hit um we're going to release it obviously before the bracket comes out so you guys can join in um but we'll get started on that on the 17th so if you guys love march madness as much as we do love filling out the brackets um then keep an eye out for that. So we got two questions here. One of them sports related. One of them's not. We'll go with the sports one first. Um, so Antonio Brown not going to be on the Steelers next season. That's pretty much a given at this point. Uh, the Titans have been rumored to be interested in Antonio Brown, yeah. rightfully so. Ben, what would you pay? What What is your maximum price that you would pay for Antonio Brown? No, man. and I know I know you're not a big believer. Yeah, in no, 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 no. Wanting to get him, you think he's a yeah. diva, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'll give up a second round pick, probably. A second rounder. Yeah, I, I think it'll be worth that. I don't know if I'm willing to give up a first for him. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of how valuable those picks are, and I think I'd give a second. I mean, I might give a first, maybe if I got something back, like some some draft capital, but I, I think a second. And that's probably the reason why I don't think that the Titans are going to get him is because I know the Steelers want a first. And I, I think, and I read a thing today that said the Raiders are the early favorite 
and they have well, they've like got three five, first round picks. Yeah, they have a ton of first round picks. That's I think he'll end up in Oakland. I don't I don't think really John Gruden cares about anything else either. He's just like he just likes trading things. So see, I don't get that from Oakland's standpoint because they give up a first or they get a first for a younger receiver. Now, now, granted, Amari yeah, Cooper is not Antonio Brown. Yeah, but they give up. A first for an older receiver. And is Antonio Brown really going to put them into contending mode? Like, No. No, exactly. Like He no, he would I mean, help the Titans a lot more than he would help the Raiders. Exactly. And that's why, for me, I would give up this year's first-round pick for him. I can looking at 19th, that. you're looking at, you know, we probably need to go offense or defensive line with if we keep that first-round pick. Yeah. Um, it's far interior offensive line. Don't and get me wrong. And this is a here. deep draft with that stuff. So, right. You might can find um, it later. But as far as like top talent guys, they're not going to be there. You don't have a whole lot of offensive guys that are going to take away a lot of those top spots. So you're going to yeah. get defensive guys taken early. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like say- Montre Sweat and the polite guy from Florida and all the Clemson D linemen, Alabama D linemen, they're going to get taken, I think, before what they get to our pick. Yeah. I mean, Antonio Brown, for the, if you traded Antonio Brown for this year's first round pick, that AB will have more of an impact on this team than any other person you could take in the first round this year. Right. And improve the team more than any first round pick. And I've seen some projections for people who think the Titans might go receiver in the first round. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that. I don't think that's – I think it's a need, but I don't think it's a first-round need. Um, but if they are thinking that, if they are leaning that way, why not go get a sure thing? Yeah. Now, granted, the locker room issues, but you're bringing in a rookie who is going to take at least a few weeks to get into this system. Why not bring Antonio Brown in for the same price that you would pay for a – Marquise Brown from Oklahoma, or the kid yeah. from Arizona State. I can't remember his name. Harry, uh, in Kill Harry, He's, or whatever. It's like in Kill in apostrophe. I K. have no it's idea. Weird. Yeah, I know who you're talking. I really about. don't know. Yeah. Um, but why not pay that 19th overall pick for Antonio Brown? Yeah. Um, you know, the Cowboys I mean, you, were willing to pay whatever's pick. For Amari Cooper, I think the 19th pick for Antonio Brown would be an okay bargain. Yeah. I mean, now, so you, you don't run it, into it saying, hey, I'll give you my first round pick. You start low, you work your way up. Yeah. But if you if you put Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, a healthy Delaney, um, along with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, uh, there's no more excuses for Mario to not having weapons. And that's my that was my biggest point. Because this is a prove me year for Marcus. He's got his vesting, he's got his option coming up. Um, so he's due for a contract renewal. Yeah. I think you give him the most chance to succeed. You go get a Hall of Fame receiver and you put him around, like you said, Delaney Walker, who's hopefully going to be back to full strength this year. Yeah. And then take some pressure off the younger receivers, give them, you know, a little more space to work with. And then if Marcus can't do it, then then you know yeah. we have to go a different route. And that's why I'm okay with if he does have a character issue, Antonio Brown. And I'm not buying into that completely. I'm just not. Um, because 
there there's a Titans fan that I follow who's actually who actually lives in Pittsburgh. There's um, a lot of stuff wrong with Pittsburgh. I don't think he's the single problem. I think he's part no. of the problem. Yeah, I agree. I with think that. Le'Veon Bell is part of the problem, but I think there's some other issues there. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that it doesn't concern me as much. I don't think that um, Mike Vrabel is the kind of guy to let a player come in and run over. He in is that definitely room. not Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin exactly. lets the players get do whatever the hell they want. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Vrabel, I don't think Taylor Lewan is the kind of player that's going to let someone come in here. The Titans and run might kind of need like some. They just don't really like. You never hear anything about the Titans locker room because. I don't know. They just don't uh, do anything. So maybe they need a guy like Antonio Brown, not to be a diva, but to give some type of character to it. If that makes right. sense. So I mean, I would pay that. I'd pay a first. I think that's what it's going to ultimately cost. Yeah. If it costs one first, I think they'll. I think they do it if their nineteenth pick is good enough for the for the Steelers. Um, yeah, I would love to see him. And yeah. I know I've said that like I'm kind of skeptical about it, just everything around him. But like I'm not, I'm not going to complain if the Titans get Antonio Brown. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, anytime you get a Hall of Fame gonna... receiver, who cares, right? Yeah, I mean, he's exactly I'm definitely not going to complain. I mean, they have other needs too. He's not going to put them in the Super Bowl, but yeah. if he can make that offense work a little better, and then he we sure solve solve defensive line issues in the draft and. You know, go sign a, a big guard or something. Well, that offensive yeah. line, you know, it takes you another step in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, our second question comes from JD, who's going to join us next week, when, or not next week, but next show Thursday. later this week. Yeah, Thursday when we talk about the NL Central and the, the attorney. Um, but tonight he wants to know. If we're excited about the Jonas Brothers getting back together, they released a new single last week. And also, which one is our favorite? I'm not really a huge Jonas Brothers fan. I don't I even like know two of the three no. names. I know Nick. Yeah, Jonas. and the other one is Kevin and Joe is the other two. I listened to their new song. It's pretty good. But I wouldn't say I'm like pumped like all these other teen girls that wet their pants over the Jonas Brothers getting back <laughs> together. <laughs> like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know if they have some decent songs. I mean, I guess JD's a huge Jonas Brothers fan since he's asking us about them. We'll have to ask him on Thursday. Yeah, well, his I, favorite one I is. know. So, as far as Jonas Brothers songs, I'm trying to think of all the ones that I know. I know Year 3000. Yeah. Um, I know Burning Up. Yeah. I don't know any other songs. I think that's the only two I know, too, besides their new one. Then I know Nick, one of Nick Jonas's songs from a couple years oh. back, the oh. Jealous Song. I have no idea what that is. But uh, so I don't have, yeah, I don't I don't have a favorite. Brothers fan. I don't have a favorite Jonas. I will straight, say I have a, I'm a straight white male, so it's very unlikely yeah. that I would be a fan of their music. Now, now Joe is engaged to Sophie Turner, so he's doing. I know he's doing well because she who is, is Sophie Turner. She's in uh, Game of Thrones. She plays Sansa. I see. I don't have HBO, so yeah. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Just Google her. Just Google her later when you're in bed. She's <laughs> <laughs> all right. She's, she's pretty. Oh, wait, does she girl. does she play? Um, 
Does she play Jean in the yes, new X Men movies? She plays Jean yeah. Grey in X Men. Yeah, okay. a new X Men yeah, movie okay. coming out, Dark Phoenix. That's yeah, great. that's coming out the day before I get married. We might have to make a trip down to the theater to yeah. watch that one. Could do that. We gonna do that. Uh, something else. I, I think I'm. You know, I'm probably done talking about the Jonas Brothers now. But uh, SEC baseball has 11 teams ranked in the top 25. One of them is the University of Tennessee, who is pitching shutouts like every other day. Um. Finally, maybe Tennessee's playing some good baseball. Don't really watch college baseball that much, but thought that was significant. First time any conference has ever had 11 teams ranked in the top 25. Wow. 11 out of 14 teams ranked. Yeah, that, that's impressive for sure. Um, all right, you got – that was all our questions. Um, maybe we'll get some more uh, on Thursday. You got out the door this week, buddy. Yeah, I know. Um, so, anything? real quick, another last thing. Okay. Today was the GameStop Monday for MLB The Show. All they released was a stupid moments game mode where you can go back and play. Uh, well, they, they released that, and then they released um, March to October. There was some, I yes, saw I saw that. that. I actually thought that one looked kind of cool. I haven't Except watched for it's the just video. one season, I think. But it, did, it didn't look bad. I watched the video earlier when I was on the toilet. <laughs> Sitting on the toilet? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know about all that. I'm gonna check that video out when I get off of here. Really disappointed in how that franchise is going right now. But anyway, to out the door. Um, so I think we've already done our favorite superhero. I'm pretty sure our or maybe favorite we did superhero? I think yeah. you asked me maybe like what superpower I would have, but you haven't right. asked me my favorite superhero. Well, I'm not gonna ask you your favorite superhero. Oh, what's Spider Man? That's lame. Well, so is mine. So that would be a lame <laughs> discussion. I want to ask you, who is your favorite super villain and why? And it can be for whatever reason. It can be because you hate them the most or you sympathize with them the most or you like their powers or whatever. Okay. Who is your favorite super villain? Mm, tough question. Do you know yours? Yeah, I'll go first. If All you right. Want. Yeah, you go ahead. So I really like the Joker. I think he's super smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's not my favorite. Okay. Magneto is my favorite. Magneto. Yeah. I and a lot of it's because of his. I think the way that he can control metal, and then of course in the newer X Men movies, he figures out how to control uh, more than metal, control the yeah. entire Earth. Um, but I really sympathize with him too because of how his whole life played out. So mm -hmm. if you watch the, I think the first X-Men movie, I don't read any comics, so I know you do. So I'm yeah. a straight movie guy here. Um, but he was a Jew in, during the Holocaust. Yep. Um, so, and of course his family, mother and all of them were killed or whatever. Um, but just, I don't know, like I, I've always said, I, I love that time period, but I really just feel compassionate for the guy i mean it's not a yeah. fake but i feel compassionate for the guy you know all the things that he's went through um and then it's like he gets his life figured out um it, and it's so weird because how these x-men movies played out and then days of future past they eliminate all the other movies because they reset everything basically um but then he gets his life figured out and he's living in like poland or whatever yeah he's got a wife and a kid and 
so he, he saves one of his fellow co-workers from getting killed at this plant that he's working at by using his powers. Well, they go and tell the police, the police come for him and they end up accidentally killing his daughter and his wife. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm just like, can this guy catch a freaking break? <laughs> and uh, so then he snaps and boom, he's off to it again. Yeah. He's back to his bad ways. But now Magneto, super cool, super smart guy. Um, and I really like the guy who plays him in the new X-Men movies. I can't think of the guy's name. I think he does a really good job. I'm trying to figure out who plays him. Um, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Yeah. Fassbender. Yeah. I really like that. Thank you. So. Yep. He does a good job. Uh, hopefully Dark Phoenix is good. Some of those X-Men movies have not been as great, but they are. So Marvel has bought back all their stuff from Sony and they're going to be uh, rebooting. Hopefully the X-Men, hopefully they leave Logan alone because Hugh Jackman can never be replaced as playing Wolverine. No one could play a better Wolverine. Logan was the perfect end to his chapter. That movie is fantastic. Um, But my favorite supervillain is the Kingpin, Um, Wilson Fisk. He's he's a Marvel guy. I'm a big Marvel guy. Um, He he's the he's what he what I just said. He's the Kingpin, Uh, Kingpin of crime in New York and the king of the mobsters. He controls, you know, the East Coast. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is set in New York, um, and he runs. He runs the underground, um, and he started that uh, as a teenager um, with his leadership and organization and stuff. Um, he's he's an arch nemesis of Daredevil. He's arch nemesis of Spider Man, um, and they they can never. So like. It was kind of cool in the the new Spider-Man game, um, how they kind of dove into like Kingpin was one of the guys that was actually keeping the city from delving into utter chaos because Spider-Man took him down. Everything just went straight to hell. Like Mm -hmm. the bad guys were just out there running rampant. Um, He has a cool backstory, but I think what has set, him at the top for me is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal in the Daredevil series on Netflix. It sucks that Marvel has pulled all their stuff off Netflix because Daredevil is easily one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. And that series on Netflix is fantastic. And D'Onofrio, and I may not be saying his name right, but he portrays Kingpin so good. He's menacing and threatening and he can go toe to toe with daredevil and he just it's fantastic you just have to kind of watch it to see how good he is it goes into his backstory and he hasn't had like a ton of screen time on the big screen like magneto has Mm -hmm. mainly been portrayed in that netflix series but it's so good netflix does a good job with most of their like uh original shows um but yeah he that i think that's what set him over the top um for me because it was close between him and loki and loki's almost like an anti-hero so i didn't really want to count him he was a villain but he kind of performed um into some anti-hero stuff so yeah i'm going with wilson fisk 
Captain Marvel coming out here in a couple yep. of weeks. Uh, right. Comes out on the 8th, actually. This um, Friday? March, yep. I'll be probably there on Friday watching it. <laughs> probably go with my sister and see it. So. Gotcha. Yep. But well, I think that about knocks think, everything out. Yeah, pretty much. We'll be back on Thursday. I'm about to go to bed. I'm beat. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to cut this. I'm going to bed. Got to work tomorrow. So. Yeah, you got to work. Um, we'll, try and have this up. we'll try and have this up tomorrow so we can get caught up. If there's any AL Central fans out there, you can hear your division preview. I'm sorry if you are a fan of a team in that division. Um, and we'll look forward to talking to you guys Thursday. So see you later, guys.